Welcome to Facing the Blank Canvas, the new Center for the Arts Evergreen podcast, which offers you a monthly glimpse into the mind of our artists. The podcast will focus on working artists and art collectors and how they found their path to a creative life. We hope to offer you the stories behind the exhibitions that make Center for the Arts come alive. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the peek into the mind of the artist facing the blank canvas. Hi, I'm Lisa Nirenberg, Executive Director for the Center of the Arts Evergreen, and I am here with my co-pilot and Senior Director of Exhibits and Events, Sarah Miller, and we're here today to host our Facing the Blank Canvas. And we were chatting today and said, what are we going to talk about today? And we thought it would be fun to do the top 10 things of 2021. And we're here with Tom Hoke, who has, for the past two years, been hosting our podcast. So he's going to chime in today, too. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. So we're going to start today. And I'm going to let Sarah start off with kind of number 10. Sure. So we started this idea. We're between exhibitions with kind of a main artist right now. We've got our member show going, which has 90 artists. And so it didn't feel fair to just interview one artist when there are 90 amazing artists hanging and filling the gallery. So we decided we'd focus on in David Letterman style. I grew up with David Letterman, watched him almost every night, even when I wasn't supposed to and wasn't allowed to. (laughs) And at the end of every year, he did his top 10 list of things. And that's carried on. I've got a good friend who does a top 10 Christmas card every year. So Lisa and I wanted to do the top 10 moments of CAE in 2021. We're thrilled that we survived 2021, that some sense of normalcy came back to Center for the Arts. And so for us to be able to laugh about some everyday real life things as opposed to all COVID all the time feels really good. It does. And some of those things we can't talk about right? because they were quite funny, but we'll leave them in the walls of CAE and talk about some of the things that we can talk about yes. and won't get in trouble for. So <laughs> so what was yours? So I think my favorite moment of the whole year was our summer camps this year. We totally revamped our summer camps. We had to be outside because it was the middle of COVID and it was beautiful out. And we did a middle school summer camp where they painted murals on our shipping container in our parking lot. And it started out as this group of 24 middle schoolers who didn't know each other, who thought they were going to be all sassy and have attitude toward each other. By the end of it all, they were all on text chains and Snapchat stories together. And they created the most beautiful piece of art that we have at CAE and one of our few kind of permanent collection pieces. They did. And remember, the whole thing that was so interesting about that camp is Megan Anderson led that camp. And she brought them into the tent and said, okay, write your ideas down. They said, no, we, we came here to paint. She said, no, no, you came here to create a mural. And that means you're going to start it from start to finish. And so um, they learned so much that week. And what they came out with is 
just amazing. It yeah, is. There's actually three paintings, if you think about it. Three different that. murals. Yep. There's yeah. the bee on one end. There's the progressive pride flag on one end. And then the main portion of it is our music backdrop, which we used for our summer concert series, which was one of Lisa's top 10 of the year. Yes. Our, oh, yes. So we decided we partnered with one of our awesome volunteers, John Erlinson to do our original concert series. And our first one we kicked off with was Hazel Miller. And for two days, well, let's rewind a moment because we we didn't have a stage. So we worked with the Eagle Scouts and they created a stage for us. It was really, it was at the last minute. And we little were little did we know that when you use volunteers to build yourself a stage and all donate in materials, you get what you get. Mm-hmm. And so we had mismatched pieces of wood, all shapes and sizes, that uh-huh. turned into this stage. Right. And managing a 17-year-old who was getting ready to graduate, um, trying to figure out time for him to do that. So I think maybe 10 days before we kicked off the series, we got the stage built, um, which was awesome. So we were having our first one with Hazel Miller. For two days, we got that stage ready. And we started thinking that in case it rained, that we needed a canopy for the stage. So in the girl power that we were, we built a canopy. And then Sarah was, and then it was the day before, it was Thursday, we finished that canopy, and we were like, we are women, hear us war, we were so excited, and you were leaving, and you said, you might want to look at that canopy, and as we walked outside, there were two drooping, drooping um, (laughs) sags in the canopy, puddles of water, and Jordan and I just said, we're going to just push that water, and we went to push it, and the canopy came right down and we were soaked from head to toe. It just landed on our head. And we were like, oh my gosh, what what are we going to do? So the next morning we started over and we got with um, John Erlinson and he brought another canopy and we worked all day and got up canopies and tents and it looked amazing none of us had showered yet and then it started to hail and it hailed one of the worst hailstorms of the summer and every tent outside was demolished including the canopies you guys just built yes and we were like oh my goodness what are we gonna do we're gonna have to bring this inside and we did. And we did. And Hazel Miller came and she got there. She locked herself into the bathroom for about five minutes and cried because it was their first in-person show oh. in 20 some odd months. So she had to give herself a moment to compose herself because everybody was so excited. So even in the midst of pouring rain and hail, it was one of the best concerts I've ever been to. Oh, Because it was the so energy fun. was off the charts. Yes, yes. And we had one woman who was not happy with us yes um because it was inside but um she didn't stay and and you know and the concert went on we had sold about 225 tickets that night and we probably had 145 that came yeah to the concert so we did amazing and she rocked it out and that was my the 
best memory of the summer, I think, of her concert. It was so fun. And it was a theme because we did three concerts this summer and it rained every time. (laughs) And we built this out of nothing. If you've been to Center for the Arts, we have a dirt parking lot in the back. We have our paved section and we have a gravel section. But we have beautiful trees. So we decided if we called the gravel section the Grove, it would sound great. And the people came and it turned into an amazing grove with lawn chairs spread out and people dancing in the gravel and um, at the end of every concert the skies opened and it poured down rain but all of the visitors who were there hopped in their cars and drove away and didn't see the aftermath of pulling the speakers out of the pouring lightning storms (laughs) and it just turned into this place to gather during the summer when people didn't have a place to gather yeah it was really and you know we ended it with an inside concert with the turntable review and they that was so wonderful for me because these are good friends of mine who play up in Vail, and they had this captured audience. And it was so wonderful for them because they're used to playing up by ski. And to have this captured audience that stood up and gave them two standing ovations was amazing. Um, so that was lots of fun. I mean, we're going to do that again. So look out for our concert calendar for next year, for sure, because it's coming back. We have a lot of things in the works. Yes. And speaking of music in the gallery, we had our first, to our knowledge, in 47 years of CAE being in existence, we had our first tango dancers in the gallery in 2021. And that was connected with our Love Is exhibition. And Love Is we created because we had a wedding at Center for the the first wedding ever. Yes. Yeah. So we created a show around the theme of love so that the would have beautiful love-themed artwork as her backdrop to her wedding. And at the opening reception, Teresa Ann Volgenau was our juror, and she is a professional dancer as well as a professional visual artist. So she brought in a group of tango dancers. And if you uh, if you follow us on Instagram, which is just C-A-E Evergreen on Instagram, you can see the tango dancing through the gallery as people are walking around looking at the artwork. You see these dancers weaving in and out. And it was a really special night and I wasn't there for it so I got to be yes on Facebook live actually I popped in and saw it and so that was great and there was actually the first time I saw it on the video that we had captured was when we put together for the capital campaign speaking of the capital campaign yeah yes yes the capital should we talk about that now or at the end whatever you want to do well I'm thinking while Tom's here Maybe one of our top 10 things should be this podcast. And so we said to Tom each time, are we boring you? (laughs) And he said he thought we were really interesting. So for all of our 101 listeners out there. I'm um, the number one. I'm one listener because I'm the guy who who listens to it no matter what. So I'm glad there's more than just me. Yes. It it has been fun seeing and getting to meet the artists, even though some of them are virtually, but just being a part of what you guys have got going on in Evergreen. And for us to participate with the little thing we did with Mike and Pat Milbury yeah. also. Yeah, it's been it's been fun. I mean, it's just a good departure and everything you have going on up there is really cool for that little slice of, of Colorado that people don't really know about. I know. You know, we've enjoyed that too. And speaking of, I think Pat and Mike were on our list of our top 10 things that we did. Um, And we were talking about that show, how late into the night we worked on getting that show hung. Because Mike, being the really, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, He is, what do you, type A. 
he was not going to let us hang those those things on nails. Right. Only so we squares. had screws. I could not think of the word I'm looking for. So screwing in, we had how many pieces? We had like I 70 think pieces. there were of, 75 pieces in yeah. that show. And they were all screwed in. Yeah. And that takes a really, really long time if you've never hung a show before. And we love Mike, so we all, we, <laughs> we supported him, we did that. But then we had Pat, who was painting outside and finishing up his, his painting yes. the night before the opening. Pat showed up, and I think he does this because he's used to painting outside and doing murals. He yes. showed up, he opened his truck, he pulled out a crate filled with spray paint cans, and he set to work finishing a piece that we hung on the wall while it was almost still wet <laughs> because he needed to get it just right to have it in the show. Yeah. Yeah, so we, we had a lot of fun with Mike and Pat. And yeah, it was cool because it was Mike's first real art yeah. show. I mean, yeah. He's been taking pictures for his entire life and always looking at me as either a commodity or a product or just personal something. And for you, both of you, to pull that out of him, I know it was a big move for him. And then attention to detail, like you said, that type A, or as we like to say around here, a little OCD. Yeah. <laughs> of, this is the right way to do something. It's just what makes this stuff so special. And seeing it in the gallery that way i mean i just the emotion that came over him and his family was really cool and a lot of our crew were in the shots and just yeah. to see it, it we've all seen those iconic pictures but to see it laid out and he's still selling those prints so he's yeah. really kind of we got to keep pushing for round two of that exhibition absolutely really cool. you know that is so funny i don't think he expected to sell so much no that was one of our Biggest selling shows. It was. I think it just touched something it with did. people. Evergreen is such an outdoor place and everything that Mike does. And people connected with it in a different way. And to be able to give his photography an artistic stage, because he and Pat both kept saying over and over, oh, we're not artists. Right. And we actually had quite a few artists that were that way this year. I'm not an artist. Yeah, and, I'm a snowboarder. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. And when you have a piece, I have two pieces. I do, yeah. It was, it was such a great beautiful, fun show. And I think one of my favorite things that came out of that, that I don't think either Mike or Pat realized until the Q&A was the connection to their dads. We didn't pre-plan that. Yeah. We hadn't talked about it. And that theme kept coming up. So then they planned this impromptu Father's Day event at Center for the Arts. Yep. And Mike manned the grill. And yeah. it was just a really cool way to bring people together using art for something besides just gathering for art's sake. Yeah, and, it was cool. Just growing up and working with my dad and the way that he had worked with his dad and the same thing with Pat just to be I don't know just to kind of come into perspective from three different sides of things was, was really cool because we none of us had ever done a panel like that before yeah so it was really cool to just get tied in a little bit with what yeah. we were all doing absolutely it was it was a lot of fun and you know we had a lot of people show up for Father's Day too we did and we had just had his opening so that's how well received that show was that people came um, you know, multiple times to right. see the show. So, and and you still get calls. Oh, yeah. I still get calls that, about pieces of art yeah. that, that people remember and they've kept the catalog and they want this image or that image. And I think it connects with people. I had a guy who purchased five different Iceland prints from that show that we did. We coordinated with Mike after the fact and he wanted to put them in his house in Breckenridge and he yeah. had been to Iceland and had this really personal connection to it. Yeah. It's cool. One of the things that I was thinking about, too, of your theme for the year of how everybody partnered up. Talk a little bit Our about, collaboration. about the collaborations, like how that really works with how Gail and Will and just all the different things that had happened over the span of the year of 
those happy accidents as somebody had said in one of the podcasts of how that came together what was the impetus for that with you as a highlight of the year you know i think that started sarah don't you think that started when we were august of 2020 Mm -hmm. and we said we're we're going to turn this place around and we are going to mix things up um and i think collaboration became a really big theme for us because we wanted the world to come together yep i think that was a big piece everybody was so separate we sat in the tent outside ca in august and we couldn't go inside nobody could come inside and visit us and we wanted a way to bring people together and we wanted a way to bring artists together and it's continued 2022 we've got several collaborative shows we've stuck with that Mm -hmm. theme so we've got artists who are collaborating we've got these amazing we've got a gentleman in evergreen who inherited these mexican traditional folklore hand carved masks from his brother and we thought what can we pair those with so we're working with contemporary mexican-american artists and again that collaboration between past and present and future of Mexican-American art and so I think it's become kind of a cornerstone for us is bringing people together to appreciate art in a new way. And you know what and what I found from so many people is when we first started the conversations they were all a little worried like I don't have time to make these pieces and we said this is not about making new pieces this is about taking what you have and creating a story. And I think that Will and Gail were the, the perfect example of that. I mean. They were. Will Falwell, Will Falwell, Will Day, and yeah. Gail Falwell, who were studio neighbors side by side, yeah. but had never really shown together. And to see them light up when we brought them into a room together and start talking about the themes in their individual pieces. I I think it was one of those magical moments in art where you go, oh, yeah, we got this right, because they were so excited about what was coming out of the two of them working together. Yeah. And what because their pieces together became one piece of art. And it was probably the most beautiful show Yes. And we had that one on our list because it also transformed the gallery in a way we didn't expect. We've had a lot this year with artists saying, how can we pull this off? And so for that show, there was a pairing of Will had done a painting. It was sort of a series of black lines and squiggles. And Gail had this sculpture that was a wire sculpture. And we had to figure out how to wire this thing with fishing wire up 15 feet to the ceiling of the CAE gallery to get it to stand in the middle of the gallery. So we have these great photos of all of us in the middle of the gallery, standing on pedestals and ladders, trying to balance this thing that probably weighed a good 300 pounds. And well, we had our we had our high school boy, Noah, who was very strong and who was able to really stand up there and and hold it up there and get it up there. It was, uh, yeah, it was a little um, anxious. I think all of us were very anxious as we were trying to to do that, but you put together a beautiful show. It was a great show. And Lisa talking about Noah made me think about, for those of you who have been at CAE since we got our tent, we're actually on the second tent in about two years Mm -hmm. because the winds that whip through Evergreen tear apart everything that we buy. Yes. Um, But Noah was one of our high schoolers who's now at college. And whenever it snows more than an inch, the tent has to come down. 
So we had a lot of 2 a.m. phone calls from Lisa to Noah all winter long because Noah and his buddy Nick had to come over and take the tent down and put it back up the next day. They came in the middle of a snowstorm last year. They did. It was was literally 10 o'clock at night, and they were there for almost three hours taking that tent down in the middle of a blizzard. We were like, we don't have another $3,000 to buy us another tent. But that tent has saved us in so many ways. 2021, that tent let us do all our summer camps outside, all of our classes outside for the beginning of the year before we could move back to in-person. So who knew that a tent would be one of the most beloved items at CAE? That's right. That's right. So, Tom, were you going to say something? Well, I was going to talk about um, our Women's Art Circle. Yes. And how much I have loved really that circle coming together. And when I had started, I I did have a vision about women coming together who are CEOs, CEOs of their home, artists, art enthusiasts, who just all love art and just coming together for a fun girls' night around art. Um, And we went from zero to 32 women in about six months. And it has really become such a fun, energetic group of women. We are now on our third, where we'll be going to Redline Mm -hmm. to to see that exhibit. Um, But these women, you know, they all find different reasons to connect. And to me, um, I think it's been such an extension to CAE to have these women kind of be advocates for us and excited about the various things that we're doing. Well, and I think, too, it's given people, again, we had to find ways that people could gather in safely. Mm -hmm. And these women were eager and ready to get out of their houses and go do. And so they got to learn about art forgery and they got to learn about how you run an art gallery, not from us or just us, but also from we came down to Bobby Walker Fine Art in Denver Mm -hmm. and we're visiting Redline Contemporary, went to the Denver Art Museum. So all different. what have I said? And we had canvas and cocktails. So we've done a lot this year with our women's group. And, um, and it's really just been, they're just such a great, powerful group of women. We have men who want to join too. So Tom, if you want to uh, try (laughs) to sneak in there, we've got women who are constantly saying, can't my husband be part of this? He would really like this. Or we could have Robin, which is Tom's wife. Yes. Robin. I'll be a part of it too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So tell me, Go back to what one of your top 10. One of my top 10, we started something in January last year, our monthly art drop-ins. And we were looking for a way, CAE had always done classes for elementary school kids, but really anything for younger kids. So these kids now come once a month and it gives us an opportunity to create art with them. We always have wonderful contract teachers who teach. And so we as a staff don't get to create art very often. It's not we. It is Sarah and Jordan, because I have no artistic ability (laughs) at all. 
Um, so you could do our preschool project. I, I maybe though. could. I maybe could, but I, I can cheer you on from the sidelines. But it's been fun to see because it was really a way to introduce a lot of these kids to art where they had done art classes before, but now they're signing up for our classes. Their younger kids, younger siblings come and, um, and we pick a theme every month. And this past month we did grateful for in November and the things that these kids came up that they were grateful for in art. It was fun to see and fun for the parents when they come to pick up these works of art that these kids can create in just an hour. Yeah. And it will, I mean, that was a great idea of yours because we've picked up students who are now coming to our monthly and, you know, classes and we're introduced to our camps. Sure. So it was a great way to kind of expand ourselves into the community for sure. I think another way that we've really built community was we brought back Summerfest this year. Oh, and yes. Lisa and I were talking about this on the way down here. Lisa actually got her driving privileges revoked at Summerfest <laughs> because we rented a golf cart yes. and we learned that Lisa Nirenberg and golf carts don't always mix when it comes to driving around on uneven yeah, ground. I regress <laughs> a little bit. I, I regress and yes, and, and think they're more of like a, a toy <laughs> than an art, <laughs> than actually something we need. Um, but boy, we had a great time at Summerfest. We were so nervous. It's normally in July, and we moved it to Labor Day. So we had almost 5,000 people and made more money than we did in 2019, because, of course, we didn't have it in 2020. Uh, I mean, we had such support. I was so nervous that weekend. It was the same weekend as the Cherry Creek Art Festival. Um, but what we learned is that people love coming to Evergreen. They do. And, and we, it was fun to get feedback from artists because yeah. they kept saying, you guys are so nice. Yeah. And we kept saying, I think they're nice at all the art festivals, <laughs> but we must be really nice. And, yeah. so. and we did. We had such great feedback from the artist. Um, we had music that day. The only thing is we, we ran out of some food. There were so many people that I, some of these uh, vendors didn't realize there was going to be so many people and had to leave early. But... It's a good problem to have because they were happy, right? They sold more than they thought that they would. But it was just a great, great two days. It really was. Yeah. And we've heard from some of our artists who are regulars in Evergreen that they made contacts that weekend that now they're selling art because of those contacts. So it wasn't just a festival where they sell things, but it was a way for them to expand their networks and build their community. Yeah. And we can't go without this podcast without talking about Sarah's Book Club. Yes, we did start a book club. It actually started in 2020, not in 2021. So I don't know if it counts. Oh, I know. But, you know, you had so many people and people keep joining every month because they hear about your book club. It's a really fun group of women and one man. We can't forget Tim Young. He comes with his wife, Sandy, every month. And we meet on Zoom. It's really nice because I can go home and do it in my pajamas. I don't have to be at the office to do it. And we read about art in the fiction world. And um, these ladies and gentlemen join me once a month. And we talk about art forgery. We talk about... Some of them are very scandalous. There are very scandalous. Apparently the art world, not apparently, the art world was very scandalous Especially yes. when you're reading about European artists back in the day. Everybody had a lover. Everybody had a mistress. Yes. And the ladies will say to me, Sarah, you keep picking these books where no one's a good person in these books. And I said, well, they're all real people, so I can't control what they did. Yeah. So that's been fun. We've got our whole list for 2022 online. I was a little worried that I was going to run out of books because there's only so many that yeah. are based in the art world. I decided I think I have to start writing fiction in the art world because right. there aren't enough to get through 2023. Wow. 
people need to start stepping up yes. and writing about the art world. Yes, we'll, we'll have to put some twists to Sarah's book club. Yes. Sarah is my overachiever reader. She reads like 85 books a year. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm lucky if I can read one every other month. I'm right there with you. I know. You know, I actually started in the book club. And the truth was I didn't finish the book. And it was our first one together. And so while we were hanging in an exhibit, Sarah decided to fill me in on the book so I could pretend like I had read the book. And we were on Zoom. And then she would text me questions <laughs> to ask so I could act like I was participating. But she didn't answer any of the questions. She just looked at me through the Zoom screen like, nope, I'm not going to answer oh my the gosh. question. And then people started texting me, Lisa, you, you didn't, didn't read, read the book, book <laughs> did you? So then that's when I realized that, you know what? The leader should be somebody who's good at this and who is passionate about this and who does it well. So Sarah took the reins of that, and it is Sarah's book club, and everybody knows it as Sarah's book club. It's very fun. We have a good time. Yes, for sure. As be uh, as a quick diversion, Tom, what was your favorite podcast that we did here? Um. I mean, I like the Gail and Will one. That was one where we were together and just seeing the energy of both of them, of how they were and, and hearing the story of like, we were neighbors, but we never really hung out with each other other than like raiding each other's liquor cabinet every once in a while. <laughs> but seeing it and not knowing much about who they were or their art as I'm a newbie to a lot of it and then seeing it in real life was really, really cool. And just the energy of Will was something infectious too for who he was and he's just some family guy and how he got into art and what it all is yeah. and how... Successful he's been was really cool. Yeah. I'd have to say that was probably my favorite. Your favorite? Yeah. yeah. They were a really neat pairing. They're they so fun. And now Gail has relocated her studio. She's in Basalt. But right. I still think that they hang out together and right. kind of critique each other's work. And they were such a neat combination, the two of them, in the right. way they work together. Yeah. Yes. So, Sarah, as we get down to the countdown. Yes. We only have one left on our list. Would that be the capital campaign? It's the capital campaign. So our capital campaign, you know, it has been in the works now for, they moved in because this was prior to Sarah and I. CAE moved into its new location in 2017. And they built this, they renovated this beautiful old church with always plans to have phase two. They continued to fundraise, and then, of course, the world kind of was put on hold uh, because of the pandemic. And so one day, as Sarah and I were working together, we said, you know what? We want to do this capital campaign. But we have a little different vision of how the first plans looked. The first plans were awesome, and there was a lot of thought that was put into those plans. But... It was important for us to feel like we could start generating revenue as soon as the doors opened. So we literally took napkins and we started sketching. Lisa went home one night and found graph paper. Oh, I did. She <laughs> came back and she said, you're going to be so proud of me. I drew on this graph paper. <laughs> I think the napkins were better than the graph paper. And uh, and then we got with our our architect at the time, Eric Mall, who did the conceptual designs, and how he kind of read those napkins and read our minds. Um, but 
they turned into some beautiful, beautiful plans. And so we've launched our capital campaign for phase two. It's a $2 million project. We have a million of it raised. And it's going to be 5,000 square feet of beautiful space that will serve as artist studios, community space, a ceramic studio. What else am I missing? Meeting rooms. Events. Events. It is going to be such a beautiful, beautiful space, and I can't wait to see our dream become a reality. Um, So we have just launched that. So that will be a big focus of ours from here on into. Our our goal is to break ground in 2023. So we have a year to To get this To raise a million dollars. Yes. So if you're listening and you want to donate to CAE, please go to our website at evergreenarts.org or contact me or Sarah and let us know that you might be interested in investing. Um, but Sarah, let's talk about some upcoming things for 2022. Sure. What are we? What's going to be our exhibit? What does our exhibit schedule look like? So we kick off the year with our teen show. That was another one that we didn't talk about in 2021. Oh, yeah. Was our teen show, and last year's show was heavy and emotional and so earth shattering. And I think it was the teens coming out of COVID and all that they had weathered in being apart from one another. This year, our deadline for submission is December 12th. So we still got a couple of weeks, but the artwork that I'm seeing is a little more hopeful this year. So I'm hoping that maybe we're seeing some resilience. I know the teenagers in particular are really sick of hearing the word resilience because we're all trying so hard to be resilient, but um, it's going to be an amazing show. So that'll be kicking off the year. And, and let's rewind for one second because I think what was so important about that show is that show was called Hear Me. Yes. And we got the submissions and we were so worried because it was so dark. And we kept saying, do we weave hope into it? And then we sat back and said, no, this is what this show needs to be. We need to hear these kids and what they're going through. Um, So I actually talked to, we've got an instructor and an artist who works for us who is an art therapist. And I called her and I said, I don't know what to do with this, Jen. It's so dark. And she said, Sarah, you got exactly what you asked for. Now you need to open your eyes and open your ears and hear them. And it it was kind of a nice flashback to kind of slap us back to reality and say, you're right. This is what we asked for. And we're getting that kind of authentic truth of these kids' lives right now. What was the feedback from the audience and from the artists themselves of saying, hey, you're putting this up. This is I'm bearing things here. What, what was the feedback from that? It was so positive. Mm-hmm. The people who came to the show, we had people come back two and three times because they said, I can't do it all at once because it was so overwhelming for them. We had one kid who had put together this photograph of himself during COVID. It was sort of a series of self-portraits. And his mom came into the opening in tears and bought the painting. And oh. he had talked about it in his statement of work about how he suffered with some mental illness and how this was a way for him to express himself. So it was, Lisa has said time and again that it was kind of her favorite show of the year because it was so impactful. I I think we were so proud of that show. I mean, really, it was, and that was the start of your teen council that you did with those kids. And they actually put the show together, Mm -hmm. um, which was amazing. And... And the artist statements. Remember, oh, yeah. you and I said we we have to give an award for the artist statements because they were just so well thought through. And um, and one of them literally was t- you could t- tell she was talking to her parents. Yes, 
it was called Hear Me, and mm-hmm. she, it was, wow. That's all I can say. And so this year, it is all about hope and where they've come from then. Um, so I'll be excited to see that. And Sarah's been working hard with the teens again this year to put that show together. So um, it, it'll be uh, another proud moment for us yes. also. And there, it's just not from people from our Evergreen Mountain no, community. No, it's all over the state of Colorado. Yeah. In fact, I just had four or five entries come in this morning from Peak to Peak Charter Academy and, and all over the Denver metro area and then yeah. some outside of the metro area. Yeah. So that'll kick off the year. And then we move into a show with two artists. Danny Williams is a painter and Helen Rudy is a glass artist. And their show is going to be very Gale and Will-esque in Mm -hmm. its kind of collaboration and pairing. But Danny does these amazing oil paintings that are all color driven, color and texture. And then Helen creates this fused glass that is so bright. The colors in it are are unbelievable. So we're calling the show Saturation. And it's just about kind of the saturation point of color and all that goes into creating these hues and textures. Yeah. And we're saving our pennies. We are saving our pennies. Yeah. Sarah and I have our eye on some of the pieces of work. So they're really beautiful. And then there's a whole, I mean, I, we, can, we don't even have time to talk about all of the exhibitions for the year, but those are the first two. So if it gives you any indication how we're kicking off the year, it's going to be a great one. It, it will be a great one. We're excited for this year. And in the meantime, we have our member show. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as we said at the opening, they really outdid themselves this year. I, I think COVID gave them an opportunity to take beautiful work and make it even better because there there are so many pieces I want just from our member show. It is really a beautiful show, and I encourage people to come by it. It's we're hanging it through the end of the year, mm-hmm. December thirty first. Um, but it's it's just a really it's a great uh, dichotomy of work. Would you say? Yeah, I mean, and it, it gives people an opportunity to buy artwork that if they may not feel like they can afford to buy artwork all the time because mm-hmm. it runs the gamut as far as pricing. Mm-hmm. Our artist members, you can anybody can be an artist member if yeah. they are an artist creating work. So we yeah. get people who will submit work that you could walk in and buy without thinking twice as far as your budget is concerned all the way up through thousands and thousands of dollars. So it's really a great way to start a collection mm-hmm. if you're interested in supporting local artists and getting some art for your home or a gift. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Um, And uh, anybody who may be around uh, for this weekend, we have Winterfest. um, And so that's on December 4th. So it's always a good thing to stop by on Saturday from 10 to 4. We have that going on. We have 35 artists that are going to be there, two food trucks. We have Santa Claus and we have... Uh, a number of performers. And we have a Sugar Plum Fairy, too. Yes. For all the little girl dancers who want to get their picture taken with the (laughs) Sugar Plum Fairy. We do. We do. So, you know, this is... Tom, we can't thank you enough for indulging us and letting us kind of promote CAE through this podcast and being a part of it because I know that speaking for Sarah, too, this has become... Our work has become our passion, and we really love it. And any way we can get the word out about the Center for the Arts Evergreen uh, is just to get that many more people in the door to see it. 
is is a wonderful way. So thank yeah, you. That's good. I mean, you think in the beginning, like, is anybody going to listen to this thing? Yes, yes. it's and true. And then here you go. You have your... We have 101. Everybody who's listening, just yes. share the podcast to some friends, even though they're not in Colorado. Yes. And yes. direct them to the site, and they can see all the beautiful, wonderful things that are happening and, and help keep spawning it through other small communities, too. Right. And you know what? And if they're coming to go skiing, and we're just two miles off the highway yeah. on the Evergreen exit. So you don't stop. even have to be you know, from Colorado. You could be heading up to the mountains to go skiing and, and come see our little gem of a if you mention this podcast center. you get half off whatever <laughs> yeah right. i'm not <laughs> no i retract that stick <laughs> thank you okay what else you want to wrap it up oh should we wrap it up yeah i thought you I wrapped it up did i wrap it up no, we can just close something too so i mean i don't know just something just to be the last statement you know i'm gonna end it like that Sarah, okay you're ready yeah what are we saying so I'm so grateful, Tom, as well, because you've given us an opportunity to kind of think back over 2021. And we didn't know when we started in 2020 if we were going to be able to make CAE make it because <laughs> the world closed in on us. And Lisa and I said, we don't know what we're going to do. We don't know exactly what we're doing and we're going to figure it out. And it's been fun to have you be part of letting us talk about and letting us understand our own work. Yeah. I think these podcasts help us. You know, we get so in it in the day to day. Yeah. And to be able to take an opportunity to think about it a little more deeply is really fun. Yeah, I'm glad we can help. Yeah. For me too. We're excited for 2022 and we're excited for all the opportunities where you won't have to listen to us talk. We'll be back to talking to the artists again. And next month, I'd like to bring some of our teams. Yes. Who are going to be in the show. I think it would be a great opportunity for them to talk about their work. I agree. So thank you.